chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Do you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then they were all amazed, so that they testified among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Family, have you ever had a satanic disruption in your life? Something that was sent from the underworld to disrupt what you were experiencing with God? for God, or maybe even on behalf of the kingdom of God. If you've been a believer any time, I would venture to say the answer is yes. Because satanic disruptions are those things that try to pull all of your attention away from what the Lord is trying to do in you and through you. And our text today is such a topic like that. The satanic disruption that occurs here in the text is happening because the Lord is doing something new in the earth. Can I say some more? This new thing is happening in the synagogue in Capernaum for the very first time. I said God had never moved in Capernaum like he was moving on this Sabbath morning. You see, there have been 400 years of silence from Malachi to the opening of the New Testament. Oh, they were doing church. They were going to the synagogue. They were practicing their traditions. And when they met, the scribes were teaching. But guess what? The Lord wasn't there. So when you see this text today, it's a new thing. Somebody had a new thing. God was doing something new in the worship service. And that was an issue. Can I call a roll here? It was an issue because Satan had been put on notice that Jesus was in the earth. 30 years earlier, the angels and the shepherds were out in the field by night. And they sang that the Messiah was present. 30 years later, there was a baptism, and God the Father spoke from glory, saying, This is my beloved Son. And whom I'm well pleased. And all hell was put on notice. Are you with me here? He came out of the baptism and went 40 days into the wilderness. And was tempted by the evil one. And when he conquered Satan's schemes, 
was were put on notice. He comes out of that situation and now starts his earthly ministry. And Capernaum is his headquarters. So it makes sense that when Jesus enters into the synagogue for the very first time, he sees and he does something that Satan and his enemies had never seen him do before. Can I argue my case? Never had he been made flesh. He took on flesh in the Old Testament, right, as a theophany, but now he had become the visible image of the invisible God. Oh, help me preach it up. God was in flesh, and he was for the first time in flesh in the synagogue in Capernaum. And some problems were going to happen that day. I feel like preaching today. Y'all want to help me do it? But when we come to this portion of the text, and we look at the biblical record, we understand that God oftentimes does a lot of things for the first time. Mm. I see I got some doubters, so let me say some more. You were only born one time. God did that through mom and daddy. But the first time he saved you, you were born again. You ain't got to do that ever again. It only happens one time. Can I say some more? God is into doing a lot of things for the first time. When he came down to present himself to man to rescue them from their sin, he did it. Good God Almighty. And what we see today is the very first time that that event is happening on earth in Capernaum in northern Palestine. Now what makes this so profound for us is that Satan had been working in the earth from the fall of man. He had been working to destroy man. He messed up Adam. He messed up Eve. He had caused man to begin to kill each other and to be separated by categories and social constructs. Come on, talk to me. He was working to divide humanity. And then when Jesus comes on earth, you have what is called is a clash of the kingdoms. The kingdom of God comes down and clashes with the kingdom of darkness. So that morning in the sanctuary, you have a clash of the kingdoms. Can I take my time? There are three things in here I want us to wrestle with today. Number one, I want us to talk about the divinity that was in the church. Number two, the defiance that was in the church. And then number three, the discipline that was in the church. Now keep all of this in the context because we're not talking about spiritual warfare outside of the local church because we know that there's three types of warfare in the world, right? There's the warfare of the flesh, that's you and your own issues. Okay, the warfare of the world, that's the world opposing you or oppressing you because you are a follower of Christ. And then there's the warfare with the evil one, the underworld, right? We're talking about the evil one, the underworld, and the warfare in the church. Let me preface my argument. Tony Evans was preaching this week, and I was blown away when he said this. He reminded me that every believer, once they're born again, has an angel assigned to their kids. There's guardian angels that go to and fro in the universe, helping the believers in various situations. Then he said something that was so profound, I thought, I'm going to use that this Sunday. When there's angelic presence, there's demonic presence. So it's not some time that you bring the devil with you, but there's a demon assigned to your case. There's also there are demons that are assigned to the region. I'm not in my dissertation. 
situation. But if I was there, I'd go back and tell you, demons have rule and authority in the earth under the prince and power of the air. Daniel argues in Daniel chapter 10 that there was a prince of Persia assigned to his case. And when he prayed and fasted to God to get an answer to his situation, Michael came with the answer. But the prince of Persia contested it. A Gabriel came and Michael had to come and fight with him just so he could break through, the angel could break through to give Daniel the answer. Are you listening? Tony Evans was arguing in that case, and I'm off my script, but he was arguing in that case that every time you pray, God already answers. Sometimes why the answer is delayed is because you're in it. So when you see here in this text Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, the logos of God, present in the house of God for the first time in the existence of humanity, that's a big thing. And that's a new thing. Somebody holler a new thing. So you know if God is doing a new thing, the evil one ain't about to miss out on it. Can I work now? Yes, sir. Okay, let's look at the text in divinity in the church. Verse 22. You're in here, somebody out of 22. The people were amazed, the text says, at his teaching. The dasko is the Greek word, and it means to explain in its full entirety. Right? It's leaving no rock unturned. And they were amazed because, watch this, he taught them as one who had authority. All right. You see that right there? That's the Greek word for power. Are you with me here? And he was not as the teacher of the law. Let me explain some more. When you come to this portion of the text, divinity is in the house. Divinity meaning the, 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 the information about God or the study of God, of God in his fullness, right, was present in the house and in his presence there was authority, power, influence that that congregation had never heard before. His teaching was so inspiring that, that it was a moment with God. Have you ever been in church and you had that aha moment? Where you said, oh, wait, God, I've never heard that before. That's that moment that they had that day like, oh. Does that make sense? And, and, and as he's teaching, he teaches them in such a way that they make a comparison. Wow. Are you with me? They say, uh, no, nobody, he doesn't teach like the scribes teach. Who were the scribes? Mm -hmm. The scribes were those Old Testament scholars, academicians, right? These were the learned people in the community. They've been to school. Come on, talk to me. Right? Yeah. They knew the letter of the law. They could break down the Torah. They could open the old canon and make it live. They knew the book of the prophets. They were teaching with human wisdom, but they didn't have divine insight. They didn't have authority and power that comes with that. Can I tell you, it's possible to know the word of God and have no authority when you deliver it. There was a difference that morning in the synagogue. There was a difference. In fact, it was night and day. And the folks recognized who he was. This caused me right here to ponder something. And here's
I notice in the world today, in many of our churches, we are struggling to proclaim the word of the Lord. Many of our churches struggle to take that which is written from the text and to make it live in such a way that the congregants have an ooey moment in the sanctuary. Can I say some more? It's imperative today that people come to church to hear from heaven. You don't need to hear Wilson. You need to hear Jesus. Right, Pastor. Can I say some more? Then how do you do that? The best way is to get out of the way. Expository teaching and preaching, you hear me say that, is the ability to expose it, to withdraw that which is already written without your influence on the text. Yeah. Can I say some more? It's as best as you can getting out of the way and allowing God to speak through the culture and the context of what was happening when he wrote it. Yeah. Eisegesis is when you put something in the word that it ain't saying. That's right, that's right. The best I can get to what Jesus was doing is to try my best to inspire the text, to pull out the meaning. That makes sense? Let, let me work some more. What else is happening here in this text? What I see here in the text is that Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Y'all caught that, right? Now, why is that important? It's important because if he thought it was important to be in worship, you ought to. Amen. Think it's important to be in worship. Some of us got the idea that it's important to be everywhere else on Sunday. Right, right. But Jesus thought it was important on that first day of week to be right there. Sitting with the authority of the word of God. Can I argue some more? Yeah. The other thing I like about this, not only is he in the Sabbath Cochran, but he's got a job in the local synagogue. Yeah. He's just not there to worship, he's there to work. Let me argue my case for a working church. It's not just good enough for you to come and soak up the atmosphere. How come you're not on one of these committees? How come you're not serving in one of these ministries? If you can come and worship, you can come and work. In fact, my work is my work. That's biblical right there. Don't just show up to get fed. Show up to work out what you believe. All right, Pastor. Isn't that good news? That's good news. He's there. He's present. He's working. Third thing I noticed in there is that He's working at a place in a time where it had been void of his presence. All right. I said there was 400 years of silence between Malachi and the opening of the New Testament. Right? It means Jesus had not visibly been present in the church, nor his voice, his words. They had many words. In fact, between that time, they had created a, a bunch of more new laws that God had never told them to create. So they had many words, many commandments, many laws, but they were not Christ. Can I argue right here? I would argue that guess what Jesus wants back in this church? His full pit. He wants his full pit back. So he can preach and teach to those who he loves. Can I say some more? This is powerful because the very next verse, 23, 
says, now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now, don't read 23 too fast, and don't zoom past 22, because he wants you to know that all this wonderful stuff was happening, right, in the synagogue, but then also inside of the synagogue, something else was happening. Okay, let me say it another way. The kingdom of God had came and did this stuff in verse 22. But the kingdom of darkness was working in the same place in verse 23. Y'all listening? And in 23, the text says, he had an unclean spirit, right? He was there, here it is. This demon was not in the synagogue family by chance. No, my, my, my thesis on the text is that he was there because evil spirits frequent the synagogue. I already said to you that angels are assigned to your case, right? And if angels are assigned to your case, so are demons. Can I say some more? This demon had an assignment from hell to try to disrupt, discredit the work of Christ in the eyes of those who were looking for the kingdom that was to come. Satan opposed him at the baptism, right? Y'all remember that? 40 days and he comes, the Bible says he leaves to depart for a season. And then he's continuing his ministry, Jesus, and all of a sudden, the first time he goes into the sanctuary, there's his Come on, talk to me. That's all from a spirit. 
Don't you believe for one minute it's about, it's about a rainbow. It's about my right. That's the spirit behind this. That's driving somebody to do something perverted. To go against what God had originally ordained. that sanctuary that day his job is to distract stay with me and disrupt say that with me, what? And, and disrupt the saints that day why? because he wants them to not hear what Jesus has to say he wants to destroy their witness discourage their faith dismantle their hopes and dash their dreams in the kingdom See, Satan understands the power that you have in Christ. And he can't he can stop you in your relationship with God. But if he can get you sprung on some stuff, he can dismantle and dash your dreams in the kingdom and keep you on the sidelines. Unable to fulfill what God has in store for your life. Story is told about a young fellow who went to a recovery meeting up in the mountains with some folks were, were there celebrating that. God got in a recovery meeting my trail and began to testify that, you know, he had been clean three years and was doing well, but he had this struggle with the devil. An old veteran stood up to reply to the young man and said, for 20 years, son, I've been trying to keep the backside of my arm free from rattlesnakes. And even after 20 years, on occasion, I still Fine one. He went on to say to the young man, the devil is harder to deal with than rattlesnakes. Can I say some more? As somebody who's been walking with the Lord a long time and know that too, I've been free from his influence, but every now and then, I find one popping up. Come on, talk to me up. Out of nowhere. I stopped by to tell you today that his influence will always be here until Christ's kingdom come and finally does away with his influence in here. Well, I talked to you about the power of divinity being in the church. Let me open now the defiance that was in the church that day. Not only was the man there present, but the devil had the audacity to speak out in the midst of the sermon. He disrupted the teaching time. Verse 24. He questions Jesus, what do you want with us? You hear it here? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Look at this, y'all. The Holy One of God. This verse is loaded. Let me unpack it. When we come to this portion of the text, we get to see that the attempted assault of the verbal assault on the master was one to disrupt the teaching that Jesus was doing in the synagogue on that day. And the disruption, watch this how it happens. It happens in a manner to discredit the words of Christ. Let me unpack it. He says, what do you want with us Right? Jesus of Nazareth. Notice this. The first thing he does is he calls Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth
when Jesus connected with a place that was tore up from the floor up. Why? Because if he could connect him to something that was low down and dirty, then those in Capernaum who had no respect for the Nazarenes, are you with me here, would discredit anything he just said. And what the unclean spirit does is try to discredit, discredit Jesus by association with people who weren't no good. And that's what he does in the church today. He tries to discredit the word of the Lord because there's something about the messenger you just don't like. Society is real big on this right now. Discrediting the word of the Lord. Are you with me here? Because it's something about the people they don't like. There's more. Can I say some more? Now, else does he, not only does he say Jesus of Nazareth, look what else he does. He says, Have you come to destroy us? Now, notice this, guys. This is powerful in and of itself. Because, first of all, Jesus, you from Nazareth where the gangsters live at. <laughs> Have you come to destroy us? Okay. Not only are you from across the tracks and you got a reputation, but all y'all bullies and killers and thugs. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me here? All of y'all are rapists. Come on. And M13 gang members. Come on. the message. Right. 
Because there's something about the messenger you might not even like. He wants you to disregard the message. And he wants access to your mind. That's why you gotta be careful throughout the week what you are putting in your mind. Because everything you get here 10 minutes after you leave is being attacked. Billboards, tweets, texts, Instagram likes. Come on, talk to me. Music, noise, 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 noise. He just bombards you with noise. So by the time you come back to sit on the wire next week, you done completely forgot all your mind been changed about him. Wow. Lord, have mercy. Somebody looking at me today is wrestling with sin ain't really that bad. Right, right. I can have a little taste and, and be alright. Where do you think that subtle lie come from? Filthy one. What a powerful text. What a very powerful text. Amen. When I look at this text, I can't help but see, here's another part of the application. There are many people in the church today that act like this demon. They're not the demon, but they act like it. What do you mean, Pastor? The demon didn't know who Jesus was because Jesus kicked him out of heaven. So if anything, he should have had some reverence, yeah. some respect, yeah. and some repentance, and got out of it. But instead, he would rather sit proudly in the congregation and question the authority of Jesus in spite of knowing who he was and what his real position was. Here I come. And some of y'all looking at me today. You know God then told you, get yourself out of that situation, but you're going to stay a little longer. Yeah. Right. You know God then told you, I'm not down with that lifestyle you're living, but yet you shake your head like the demon. Why can God in his presence? Can I say some more? There are many people in churches all across the world that are influenced by the underworld today. They know they ought to give God their lives, their complete lives, yet they'll hold up because they refuse to submit to him as Lord. You want just enough Jesus to get beyond glory, but not enough for him to change your story. Marble King in the neighborhood. He walked around the neighborhood bragging that there wasn't a man on earth who could beat him in marbles. Y'all remember marbles? Yeah. yeah. He had this one marble brother Tony that was a blue-eyed stiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He right. took many of men down with yeah. it. Had chips in it, Monte. He was the man. One day he saw this pretty little girl with a big box of chocolates and brother loved marbles, but he loved chocolates more. So he came up with a scheme. He said, ah. Oh, trade my marbles for your chocolates. When the girl agreed, he reached in his pocket, he's feeling around until he found his king marble. He pushed it all the way down to the bottom of his pocket, and then he pulled out the other marbles and gave them to the girl. She gave him chocolates and he laughed to himself. 
and walked away. And then he turned around and asked him a question. He said, hey, you did give me all the chocolates, didn't you? Did you catch it? He wanted an exchange, but didn't want to give up everything for that which pleased him. Okay, let me say it no He tried to keep what was near and dear to him because it fed his, his flesh. It fed his mind. And we do the same thing with Jesus. Jesus, I'll give you this stuff, but I'm going to hold on to this one little... What's your marvel today? Man, what's your marvel? What is it? That thing that gives you status among the people. <laughs> that thing that you know for in the hood. What is that? And how are you? Why are you? Yeah, better, better. Being dishonest with God. There it is. Can I tell you something? That's satanic? Yeah. Let me argue this. When you say to God, I'm not going to give you all of me. That's an act of disobedience. Sure is. And when you're not obedient, you what? Disobedient. There ain't no difference. You're either all obedient or you disobedient. Any disobedience in your life is an act of rebellion against God. And you run it further, which ultimately has connection to the diabolical. Right, sir. Right. You might as well say I'm under the influence of the evil one, but I'm not going to obey God in every area of my life. I've talked about the divinity in the church. I've talked about the defiance in the church. Let me give you now the discipline of the church, in the church. When he speaks, Jesus responds with discipline. Look at verse 25. Jesus hollers at him, be quiet, shut up, right? Yeah. right. And he says this sermon. And then he says, come out of him. This, this is written in the present tense, right? And it's an authoritative verb. It's, in other words, this ain't an option. Right. Let me break it down. When you come to this portion of the text, you get to see how Jesus exercises discipline in the synagogue over the evil spirit. Yeah. Jesus disciplines the underworld with authority. And just as he talked with authority, he disciplines with authority. Just as he disciplines with authority, he also heals with authority. Because yeah. he tells the man, shut up, hold your peace. Be muzzled is the Greek word, right? Yeah. It's the picture of a mad, raving dog that gets slapped with a cage on his mouth. Right, right, right. right. I wish y'all could see that picture. Jesus literally, when he heard him speak, just slapped him with a muzzle to silence him. You've been doing enough talking. Right, sir. Right. Morning before day, find something in the morning 
gonna text me talking about, Pastor, I'm gonna be in service today. Okay? But I will be in life groups. Okay? You see, I don't get down with politics from the pulpit. Well, 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 well. And we, I just think we all just need to preach love and Jesus only. I sat up in my bed at 530. And Sister was going to sleep. I would have hit I would have called and ran to the ride and I text as politely as I could. I said, the Bible says, come on, talk to me, y'all. And I ran through from Genesis to Revelation. Well, the church is never supposed to be political, but the church is called to speak into politics, especially when they are unjust and they are robbing those who don't have a voice. I don't know what religion you got that'll let somebody treat evil, do evil to the innocent, and then not say nothing. Hey, Christianity, that's some type of cult. The Bible.
and justice and liberty. It's what Jesus said. I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. And I came to set at liberty those who are counted. righteous indignation yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? because I recognize what the devil is trying to do yeah. 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 and Jesus reminded me just muzzle him yeah. be quiet yeah. and I like this last part I'm through and come out of here did you see that right there Jesus not only shook the devil up but he delivered the man I wish I could argue that delivered the man who was under the influence of the evil. Can I tell you, everything is about being delivered. God wants to deliver you from your politics. He wants to deliver you from your worldly philosophies. He wants to deliver you from those thoughts and influences that you have. He wants to deliver you from the mindset of your hip-hop prophets. But then something opened in the text and I'm through. Yeah, yeah. Y'all got me all fired up again. Right, text says that when he came out of him, you see it there? He tore him. He, he tried to destroy him on his way out. And here's what I want you to know. Every time God delivers a person, there are some side effects. Yeah. That come with being set free from the devil. Montreal, can I tell you? It ain't that easy when he lets you go. Alright. Sometime when he sets you free, you gotta go through withdrawals. Yes, sir. Sometimes when he sets you free, you walk with a limp. Sometimes when he sets you free, there are some consequences for your deliverance. You might have to go to jail. You might have to pay back all the money that you took. You might lose your marriage because you mistreated her. There are some consequences that come when he delivers you. What? You deliver. Yes, sir. I'd rather be delivered with consequences. because 
humanity had gotten, yes, addicted to a pseudo kingdom. Yeah, yeah. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Caesar was ruling the earth. Caesar was the world superpower. If you needed something, you went to Caesar to have your needs met. God would not have a man greater than him in the universe to be worshipped. So it was time for his kingdom to come. This is interesting because everywhere that the Roman government went, they established the Caesarean lifestyle. In other words, when they went into cities, they created in that city everything that Caesar liked. So that if Caesar ever decided to visit Capernaum or Gadara or any other city, he could find the things that excited him. Are you with me here? It was the spread of the Roman kingdom. Well, Jesus would come. Would knock Caesar off the throne. Would dethrone Satan from his kingdom. And then would empower 12 disciples to serve the kingdom of God on earth. And in his kingdom, there would be a peace that passes all understanding. In his kingdom, there will be a love that triumphs the enemy's persecution. In his kingdom, there will be grace what it had never been before. In his kingdom, there will be mercy for those who didn't know any mercy. In his kingdom, there will be salvation that was given to every man. But most of all, in his kingdom, there would be the Prince of Peace who came to save every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. I got to leave in the beginnings, but come go with me on Mount Calvary. Out on Calvary, you see a clash of the kingdom. Satan thought I got him. I'll stretch him high, and I'll drop him low. Jesus said, go ahead. Take your best shot. Allow for Satan to head. Put a, a crown of thorns on his head. A spear in his side. Nails in his hand. And thought that's the best you can do. I told him at 8 o'clock Jesus played the Ali on Calvary. You remember Muhammad Ali? He had a strategy called the rope. And right in the last round, the enemy looked like he would be whooping the old man. Ali was allowing him to exert all of his energy. And right before the end of the round, Sister Luna, little champ, would come out swinging. The champ would come out throwing. And before you know it, he would defeat the one who was taking him on. I got to quit right here. But that's what happened at Calvary. He had Jesus on the ropes. But Jesus rocked and rolled with him. He had Jesus on the ropes. Took the body down. Put him in a ball or two. Anybody here know he's got power? Wasn't his power 
for listening to A Window to Look Through. This has been the word of Pastor A.D. Wilson. We're so grateful to have you and so grateful for your work in the kingdom. May the Lord bless you and encourage you on the day.